right. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. You guys are awake. You're ready for the Word of God this morning? All right. Hey, I know some of you have asked maybe first service, like, man, Pastor Eric, your hair is, just, is getting taller. It keeps getting brushed up. Well, I'm not quite six foot yet, so that's the only way I can get six foot. But I knew we had a, a special person joining us this morning from our main campus who, who's, who's a lot taller than I am. Can we put our hands together as we welcome him to call on the stage, our lead pastor, Pastor Jordan Hodges. Go to welcome to the stage this morning. Hey, comb it up all you want. You're never going to be as tall as me. (laughs) Oh, man. That's all right. I'll be the tall one. You can be the handsome one. We'll make a great team. Awesome. How y'all doing this morning? You guys doing good? Man, it is so great to be with you guys. Every single time I come here, our Caldwell campus is getting better and better and better. How many thankful you're part of a great church? Can you put your hands together for your campus pastors, Pastor Eric and Rochelle, leading with such excellence, and uh, man, I'm just loving it. Met a ton of new people, and it's so important to me that no matter what campus we're at, that we never become a church that's just us four and no more. What, what, What I get really excited about is seeing brand new people that are coming to this place in Caldwell, Idaho, that are encountering Jesus, are giving their lives to him. He's saving people, and they are stepping into their destiny. You know, that's happening right here. You know, that's happening right here. You know, we had five people give their life to Jesus in the first service this morning. Come on. That deserves a round of applause. I just love that. This is a church that's making an impact, and I'm so thankful for what God's doing right here at our Caldwell campus. You guys ready for the word of God? All right, I want to get you to lunch on time, so I want you to turn with me to the book of Philippians, Philip to the book of Philippians. Oh, come on, that was bad, but it's, I'm working on it. I promise I'll try to be better than that with my jokes as we we go on through, but let's go to Philippians chapter 1. Let me just recap while you're turning there. We've been in a series called Godfidence, and uh, last week we talked about having confidence in the favor of God. How many are thankful that as the people of God, we carry the favor of God? How many know that God's favor can do what your own striving, your own work could never do? God's favor will open doors that that you could never open on your own. His favor will build relationships and, and open up opportunities that you could never open up for yourself. Favor does what nothing else can. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 30, verse 5. It says, his anger lasts only for a moment. But his favor lasts for a lifetime. How many are thankful that we carry God's favor for our lifetime? Amen. Well, today, uh, last week we talked about favor. But today I want to talk to you about your future. About your future. And uh, my wife wanted me to say hello to you. My kids uh, were ready to go home after the first service. And uh, my son was... uh, on the dance team at our main campus this morning. So he said, Dad, I can't go to Caldwell with you. I have to dance as part of the worship team today. And so I said, all right, bud, I'll miss you. And they were going to come second service, but apparently my two-year-old needed a nap more than they were going to come here. So just trust me, the nap was necessary. But my wife says hello, and uh, she wishes she could be here. She said next time we'll make sure it happens. Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read to you just one verse this morning, 
and I'm going to try to, to tear apart, put back together, and unpack for you one, one verse, one verse we're going to look at that I believe holds so much potential for your life, holds so much insight from God, and holds so much promise regarding your future. One verse that could change everything both in your life and your walk with God. How many happy I only have one verse this morning? Don't get too excited. I can do a lot of damage with one verse. I'm, I'm just telling you right now. But I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians 1, verse 6. Come on, shout yeah, baby, when you're there. All right, there's like three of you there. Fantastic. We're going to put it on the screens as well. All right? And so I know it's early. It's like 12, 15. But uh, that was a joke too. Well, okay, I got work to do. I'm realizing this. I got work to do. Philippians 1, verse 6. Let's read it together. I'm going to read from the New King James Version this morning. And again, we're going to put this up on the screen. Since I'm camping out in this one passage, I want us all to read this together. How many know you should be reading this and digesting this and unpacking this yourself as well? We want to know that what we're listening to, come on, comes from the Bible. Amen? Philippians chapter 1. Verse 6, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he writes this. He says, being confident, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can we read that one more time together, and then we'll pray. Being confident, everybody say confident, of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. Bless the word of the Lord this morning. May it do everything that you want it to do in every heart that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, I got three simple things that I want to unpack for you today. If you're note takers, I hope that you're writing some stuff down, jot, jotting it into the notes on your iPhone or something like that. But I want to give you three big thoughts today that we're going to unpack from this scripture that are going to speak to not only where you're at right now, but I want to talk to you about your future as well and the God that holds it. So again, three thoughts. The first one is this. God has you in a process. God has you in a process. Listen to Philippians 1.6. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work within you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now listen, if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus... You're a disciple of Jesus. In other words, you have trusted in Christ and you are following him. We would call that a Christian. Come on, somebody that has put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you are a Christian, okay, somebody that has trusted in Jesus, then you've had your sin forgiven. How many know you have been made right with God? We believe that. We believe that if you trust in the work of Jesus, that he... That he came, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, he died on a cross, he was buried in a tomb, 
and on the third day, he rose from the dead, and he is seated in glory forever at the right hand of the Father. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That if you believe that, you have been made right with God. You've been saved. How many know salvation happens in a moment? You can get saved in a moment. Salvation is something that can happen in an instant. I remember the day I got saved. I remember the day I put my trust, my hope, my faith in what Jesus did for me and received salvation by faith. Okay? I remember that. I remember that day. Most of you statistically got saved in a church service. That's why I'm a believer in the Sunday experience. Statistically, most people are still giving their lives to Christ in a church service. Now, maybe you got saved in a parking lot. Maybe you got saved in your living room. Maybe, like me, you got saved in a jail cell. I don't know what your story is. I just know this. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you can be saved. That happens in a moment. But can I just tell you, something else happens in that moment. Because you don't just get saved out of something, but you get saved into something. See, most Christians, they love to tell that part of their story, right? Well, I got saved out of domestic abuse. I got saved out of alcoholism. I got saved out of drug addiction. I got saved out of uh, anger, rage, whatever, greed, lust, whatever your thing was. You know, God saved me out of. But how many know God doesn't just save you out of, God saves you in too. It's an equally great thing that God saves you out of whatever held you back, but he also saves you into the family of God. Come on, that's the great thing about the local church. I don't care if you had no family. I don't care if you had messed up family. I don't care where you came from. When God saves you out of, he saves you in too, and you're now a part of the family of God. See, I love that. God's family to me is just as much, if not more so, family than my own family. Because I haven't just been saved out of, I've been saved in two. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this. This is the way that the scriptures worded. It says that we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Does anybody have a membership at Costco? Come on. Now, Costco is fantastic because as long as you keep your Costco membership up, you can buy all the food you need. Or if you're too broke, you can just go there and eat samples for free. Okay? So that's the great thing, that no matter where you are on the economic level, if you just maintain your Costco membership, they will make sure that you are nourished and taken care of. But how many know that's a benefit from being a part, being a member of Costco, right? So what the Bible actually is telling us when it says you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, it's saying this, you have been, you've transferred your membership out of where you were, you are now a member of the family of God. You're a family member. Come on, somebody. You're a son or daughter of Almighty God. And the kingdom of God has many benefits as well. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, it says, forget not all of his many benefits, who forgives all of our sin and heals all of our disease. Those are, those are membership opportunities. Those are benefits of being a part of the kingdom of God. But can I just say this? The moment you get saved, you become a part of the family, right? But the moment you get saved, you also enter into the process of God. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't just save me and now I'm just chilling the way I am until I get to heaven. 
Many Christians live their life that way, though. They're like, I'm saved. I'm not changed at all. I'm not changing. I'm not doing anything. I'm just saved. I trusted Jesus. I'm just sitting here living my life the way I always did, not doing anything different. Nothing's really changing. Listen, that's not the gospel. That's not the full thing that God wants you to experience. The moment you get saved, you enter into the process of God. The Apostle Paul called it the work of God. How many know everybody in the family experiences the work of the family? At my house, if you're a part of the family, come on, you do some work. And we've all got some work to do. How many are glad that our God doesn't just save us, but he works in us as well? He works in us. That means you, when you trust Jesus, you're not going to be the same next year as you were this year. You're not the same this year as you were last year. Why? Because God is working in you. Because God's alive in you. The reality of heaven is at work in your life. The process of God is happening. Let me teach you for a second. Trusting in the work of Jesus will get you saved. That's called justification, theologically. Okay? I'm going to go deep this morning. You okay with that? Let me just teach you for a second. It's called justification. It's a legal term. It means God imputes innocence onto your life. He's saying this, because you trusted in Jesus, I am making a ruling, a judgment. You are innocent. You are forgiven. You are a part of the family of God. No matter what you've done, I'm calling you my own. I am ruling innocence on your behalf. You are justified, made right in the eyes of God. That happens in a moment when you get saved. You are justified. But listen, the moment you are saved, you begin a process of being transformed. That process is called sanctification. You're justified in a moment, but how many know you're not sanctified in a moment? Come on, anybody know some Christians that are saved, but they ain't all that sanctified? Come on, somebody. Sanctification is a process. It means God is moving us along, making us more and more like him, drawing us closer and closer to him, revealing himself, changing us, molding us transforming us. It's a process. The Apostle Paul called this process God's work in you. God's work in you. You know, I don't want to miss the fact that the Apostle Paul didn't leave us in the dark regarding this work. Because I think it's easy for us to go, ooh, what is this work? But you know, the Apostle Paul, he gave us a descriptive word. He said this, he said, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in your life. It's faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How many know that when God does something in your life, it's always good? The work of God is good. And it's important that you recognize this because the enemy will try to convince you that what's happening in your life is a bad thing. He'll try to convince you that that you're a failure and that the process is not working. How many know God wants you to understand you are a part, you're a member of the royal family of God. You're part of a royal priesthood. The enemy will try to convince you you're a royal failure. Come on, somebody. But God wants you to know you're a royal family member. That's who you are. That's who you are. Listen, it's important that you understand about the process because the process of God It's what sets us apart for the purpose of God. You are not here on accident. You are not here outside of the divine design of God. You don't just get into this world. 
You must be spoken into this world. And every one of you carries a destiny from God. And it is his process that is preparing you for his purpose in your life. And so if we just walk away from the process of God, if we just walk away from it, what we're doing is we're walking away from the very purpose that God puts you on this earth for. You need to understand that you're in a process. Everybody say, I'm in a process. I'm in a process. And see, know this, that the work of God in our lives always takes us higher and higher. Let me read to you a couple passages of scripture, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Proverbs 15, 24. It's one of my favorites. Listen to this. It says, the path of life leads upwards for the wise. They leave the grave behind. How many know we're in a process that's taking us upwards? And we're leaving those dead things. We're leaving the grave behind. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. So who's he talking to? He's talking to the church, the people of God. Listen, he says, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The New King James would say this, we are being changed from glory to glory. How many know the process of God is not taking you backwards? The process of God is moving you upwards. You're going higher and higher, not lower and lower. You're becoming greater and greater, not lesser and lesser. Come on, church, you're getting stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker. God's moving you upwards. The process of God is taking you higher. You can trust the process. Come on, shout one more time. I'm in process. You're on an upward trajectory in Christ. He's taking you upper, upward and higher. I want you to write this down, number two. So God's got us in a process. But God knows you're still unfinished. I don't want you to miss this. God's got you in a process. But God knows that you're still unfinished. You're unfinished. Now, for many of us, this would seem like a no-brainer. But many of us don't live our lives like this is actually true. See, if we're truly in a process, then we're in an unfinished state. I love the summer and the fall in Idaho because we've been growing for like a decade, our whole community. And I love seeing all these homes being built everywhere. Does anybody else see homes being built where you live? Come on. I mean, where, I, where I'm living, man, they, they, they're building new houses all the time, buying out farms and building new subdivisions. It's just crazy. But it's easy for me to see that those things are not finished. They're in process. They're in process. They're, they're unfinished. I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says. He said, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it will complete it. How many know in between begun and will complete is a process? So we're unfinished. You're not finished. God's not finished with you. And it's important that you understand this because there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird doctrine out there that, that, will, that loves to preach both of the extremes regarding our reality in Christ. It either tells us that we can accept Christ 
and we never have to change. We stay exactly the way we are, living far below the call of God for your life, living far below God's purpose for you, living in things that keep you going around and around, keeping you from the fullness of life that's found in God. But by golly, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. If I were to die tomorrow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, at least I'm going to heaven. Listen, that's not God's ultimate plan for you. He didn't save you just so you could go to heaven. He saved you so you could bring heaven to earth until he takes you home. There's a plan for your life. And there's a doctrine that says you don't have to change. You just get saved and you just sit in the pew and live like nothing's different. But there's another doctrine that's the extreme opposite that would say the moment you get saved, you're immediately sanctified. In other words, once if you're really saved, you never sin anymore. How many know that's not true? My God, if that's true, we're all going to hell. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm telling you, good doctrine is in the middle. You can be saved but unfinished. You can be saved and in process. I'm telling you, when, when you accept Christ in the eyes of God, you are loved by heaven. You are a son or daughter of Almighty God. He has accepted you in the beloved. When he looks upon your life, he sees the sacrifice of Jesus Christ poured out upon you. There is nothing in you that is unpleasing once you are saved into the family of God. He loves you. He is proud of you. And he sees Jesus when he looks at you. But how many know we're also being transformed more and more into the image of Christ? It doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. It has everything to do with your sanctification. You can be saved, but unsanctified. But it doesn't mean you're not saved. You, you can be confident in your salvation. Listen, if you're here today and you're not confident in the salvation upon your life, God wants to fix that. He doesn't want you walking around wondering if I'm really saved. You know, I messed up today. I wonder if I'm going to heaven. Oh, I messed up yesterday. I wonder if I'm still saved. I better get saved again. Listen, you can be confident in your salvation. God is at work in your life. You are saved when you put your trust in Jesus. But we are also in a process. We're in a process. You have to understand this. Listen, you can be saved and unfinished. You can be saved and a son or a daughter of the Almighty God that's unfinished. You can be a wife and unfinished. You can be a husband and unfinished. You can be a business owner and unfinished. You can be a leader and unfinished. You can be a mentor and unfinished. Heck, I'm grateful you can be a pastor and unfinished. How many know we're all in an unfinished state? But we are saved. We are loved by God. We've been forgiven and accepted in Christ, but we're unfinished. Let me take this a step farther and impact the way that you live your life. Are you ready for this? You can be confidently unfinished. That's confidence. How many know that it's easy to be confident in the areas that God seems to have worked things out in for you? Now listen, here's an example. I'm a Christian, and I don't cuss anymore. I still remember all the words, but I don't cuss anymore. Now listen, I'm not confident in Jordan. I'm confident in what God has done in Jordan's life. That if something were to come up, I'm probably not going to cuss you out. Come on, I'm pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident in that. Now I might remember a few words, but I'm not going to cuss you out. I'm just saying. 
Okay, listen, and if God's still working on your tongue, hallelujah. Like, just let it be. You still slip one every now and again, it's all right. We're in a process. But I'm just telling you, that's an area that I'm pretty good. Let me give you another area. I got delivered out of a lot of drugs. I was a drug addict. I was hooked on a lot of stuff. Now, I'm pretty confident that Jordan's never going back to that life. Okay, I'm not confident. I'm Godfident. Come on, I'm, I'm Godfident in what God has done in me. I ain't going back to that. Now, it's easy for me to be Godfident in that arena. But how many know there's still areas that I struggle with? There's still areas you struggle with. It's... A lot of us, we're confident in this over here that God has brought us out of. But when it comes to this over here that God is still doing in our lives, a lot of us are unconfident. We, we lack confidence. We lack confidence in these areas because we're still failing sometimes. We're still struggling sometimes. Our marriages are still hurting. We're not always staying sober. We're, we're not being confident in God. We're, we're lacking some faith in this arena. Can I just tell you what the Apostle Paul is? He's writing a new script. He's trying to tell you, you can be as confident over here as you are over here. You can be confidently unfinished because what God has begun in your life, he is faithful to finish in your life. He's not going to leave you half formed. He's not going to leave you half done. He's going to finish what he started in your life. And so even though you've still got some stuff, you can be confident that he's working in your life. He's working out your addiction. He's working out your fear. He's working out your anger. He's working out your problem. The same God who brought you out of this is going to bring you out of this because we serve a God who finishes what he starts. Can I get an amen? That's the God we serve. You can be confidently unfinished. I can have confidence in the areas of my life that are still unfinished because I know God's working in me. You know, the only finished product we've ever seen is Jesus. He's the only one. You want to know what perfection looks like? Study the life of Jesus. Get to know the person of Jesus. That's perfection. Everyone else has been unfinished. Matter of fact, check this out. I'm going to read a lot of names that, have been, that, are, that are Bible people. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, some of this may be a little unfamiliar to you. But just know we're talking about people in the Bible that God used mightily. Listen, Abraham, the father of our faith. He lied. His wife, Sarah, she laughed at God's promises. Moses stuttered. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Jonah ran from God. Solomon was a womanizer. Samson strayed from God. David, he struggled with lust. Peter, he was afraid of death. John, he was self-righteous. Paul, he was a murderer. So was Moses, by the way, on top of everything else. Miriam, she was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas, they both doubted Christ. Jeremiah, he was depressed and suicidal. Elijah, he was burned out. John the Baptist, he was a loudmouth. Martha, she may have been anxious. Mary, she may have been lazy. Timothy had anxiety and ulcers. And the list could go on and on and on. But how many understand God still used them in their unfinished state? How many are glad that God still wants to use you in your unfinished state? You may be unfinished, but God loves you. 
You won't find one one finished individual in Scripture. The only place I can find that we may have seen a person close to finished was a man in the Old Testament named Enoch. And the Bible said he walked so perfectly with the Lord, he was no more. God raptured him early, I think, because he was about to screw up the story for everybody else. Come on. That's it. Everyone else, unfinished. Here's why this is important, church, and I need you to hear me on this. This is why it's important. One of the devil's greatest tools against you in this life is condemnation. (coughs) It's condemnation. Listen, what I'm about to share with you right now has the power to impact many of your lives and set you free. I believe that. One of the devil's great tools against your life is condemnation. What is condemnation? It's the devil putting a spotlight on your unfinished area. And so if you believe the lie that you're either not supposed to change or that you're supposed to be finished, condemnation will work against you. Because what the enemy comes with is truth. How many know the greatest deceptions hold a shred of truth? So the reality is the enemy doesn't come against me and go, you dirty drug addict. Well, you got the wrong Jordan. That that Jordan died a long time ago. You better knock on a different door. That doesn't work against me. The enemy will come against the areas I'm still battling with. The enemy will come against you in the areas that are unfinished in your life. He looks for two-by-four walls. Come on. Not sheetrock textured and painted. He looks for the ones that are still under construction and levels accusation against you. How could you call yourself a believer and still struggle with this? How could you call yourself a leader and still have doubts in your mind? How could you be doing this and still be there? How can you talk to anyone about their marriage when yours is going through this? How could you talk to anyone about what they should do with their finances while yours is like this? How could you tell anyone that God could heal you while you're struggling with sickness in your body? How could you, how could you, how could you? And he levels accusation against you. That's called condemnation. And see, if you don't understand that you are still unfinished, it will work. Oh, you're right. Man, I do suck. Man, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't lead. Man, you're right. Maybe I should abdicate the leadership position God gave me because I'm, I'm still in progress. I'm not finished yet. Newsflash, none of us are. But if the enemy can convince you you're supposed to be, that you should be farther than you are, you'll step back from the process. You've got to understand, listen, when the devil comes against you, you can confidently look him right in his ugly little face and tell him, you know what, devil? You're absolutely right. And God loves me anyway. God loves me right where I'm at. I'm in the process. God's working on me. I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be either. And devil, you're not going to say nothing about me that I don't already know about me. I know I'm unfinished. I know I'm in process. But God loves me anyway. And he's working stuff out in my life. When haters come, I don't know about you, I got a few haters. Not many, but a few. I don't know why they don't like me. I like me a lot. My wife likes me a lot. But I got, listen, they can come at me with all kinds of stuff. The reality is, I know I'm unfinished. I'm unfinished. Am I living my life above reproach? Absolutely. There's nothing disqualifying in me right now. I can tell you that. I believe you deserve that from your leaders. There isn't a pastor on our staff that has a disqualifying issue in their life right now. It's necessary, but we all have battles. 
We all have things God is working on in our lives. And you can call me this, you can call, listen, I know I'm unfinished. And here's the thing, if you are too. Can I just tell you something when it comes to other believers? Really, they don't need you to tell them what's wrong with their life. They already know. They already know. Do you know what they need from you? They need you to build them up and tell them who they could be. They need you to tell them what their potential looks like. They need you to tell them what they could become should they overcome. What God could do through their life should they step up. People need hope. They need help. They need to be pointed toward God and his destiny for their life. I'm so sick and tired of Christians running around criticizing and tearing people down, pointing fingers. We should be pointing people up to Jesus. Pointing people toward their destiny in God. That was just for free. Listen, I'm telling you this, though, because if you don't understand you're in process, the enemy has a weapon he can use against you. Can I just, let me read to you a scripture that's absolutely profound. It's found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us. Not cleansed us from all sin. Not maybe might cleanse us from all sin. It's an active word. I need you to hear this. He said, if we're living in the light, as Christ is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, the forgiving, power, sacrificial love of Jesus, cleanses us actively from all sin. My wife, she took a missions trip years ago to Africa. She told me about a safari she went on, and she said, it was the coolest thing ever. They put you all in this big truck, and they drive you through a safari. And she said, listen, honey, I know we've seen giraffes in the zoo, but there's nothing like a giraffe free in the safari. There, there's, she said, it's the most majestic thing you've ever seen. But on top of that, she said, you'd drive through, and there'd be a pack of lions just chilling on the side over there. Then you drive over here and you guys have hippos and water buffalo and all these different things. She said, it's crazy because you drive right through and there's lions. And she said they would tell you, she would say, listen, we have a process. We have a process. You get in the truck, you stay in the truck, and we'll zip you through the lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. Come on. And we'll get you to the end. If you're in the truck, if, you're, if you stick with their process, the animals, they said, hey, they see you as one big animal. It's just one, one big, they see you as one big animal. They don't mess with you. If you get out of the truck, you're prime rib. Come on, somebody. But if you're in the process, in the truck, you're safe. In the truck, safe. Out of the truck, dinner. Okay, you, you, getting, you getting my drift? Let me just tell you what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying... If you stay in the truck with God, he will forgive you. He will pour his grace out over your life continually. The blood of Jesus, the atoning goodness of God that paid the price on you for the cross, if you will stay in the process of God, he will continue to forgive you, to cleanse your life, to pardon your sin all the days of your life. If you'll stick with the process, God will forgive you. 
If you'll stick with the, listen, if you'll stay with God, God will take care of your needs. If you'll stick with him, if you'll stay surrendered to the Holy Spirit, he's going to keep forgiving you, keep changing you, keep pursuing you, keep loving you, keep picking you up, keep pushing you forward. If you'll stick with God, baby, he'll stick with you all the days of your life. Say it with me, I'm in process. Say it with me, I'm sticking with God. I want you to write this down. My final thing, I'm going to get you to your buffet. You ready? I'm running a little behind. I want you to write this down. God is faithful to the finish. Wow, you guys are good. I didn't even want you to say it, but you said it anyway. Hey, I'm on a roll, I guess. I, I, want you, I want you to write it down. I want you to, I want you to think about this. As we, as we are getting ready to end, I just want you to hear this. God is faithful to the finish because here's the thing. Everybody in this room is in a different place with God. This is not a religion that you, that you, if you just stick it out long enough, you earn another spot. We give you a different title. If you give enough or serve enough or whatever, you just get bumped to this. Can I just say, the ground is even at the foot of the cross. God may appoint leaders. God may elevate people. But not one person is bigger or better than anybody else. And I need you to understand this. I need you to hear me on this because every single one of us, this promise is true for you. That God is not just a starter, he's a finisher. Let me just tell you, and, and I'll land with this. <clears throat> I hate LaCroix. <clears throat> I do. I, it's just hairspray. It tastes like hairspray to me. I feel like I'm drinking a chemical that's meant to be used to purge dirt out of hair or something. It's just awful. It's like hairspray made in a room with a lime sitting on the counter or something. It's like, ooh, I taste a, a hint of lime among the hairspray. I mean, it's just disgusting. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she loves hairspray. I mean, LaCroix. So much so that she has a little mini fridge on our back porch, and it's just full. It's her LaCroix fridge. And so she just loves it. She's got all the flavors and all the stuff, and she's super bougie about it. We have this little, this little mini fridge. Don't judge us. We're, we're in process, Okay. And uh, now that we have kids old enough to fetch beverages from the fridge, I love it. She'll, just, she'll be sitting there, she'll be like, Jeremiah, bring me a LaCroix. And he'll run in and bring her one. Sometimes he shakes it up and gets her. It's awesome. Okay? It's awesome. Like, that's what you get for drinking hairspray. <coughs> Jonathan, we can, we can have some music to it. Help me land this plane and get everybody to lunch. But here's the reality. I only drink water, not because I don't like soda, but because... The minute I rolled around to 30, soda made me fat, and I'm trying to fight the fat. Come on, somebody. And so I, I haven't drunk soda in a long time. Um, but every once in a while, I get a little hankering, you know, for something that's got some carbonation in it. Anybody feel me? And how, how many moms in the house have had a baby? Okay, you guys, you know how, how terrible that process, how painful that process of delivery and carrying and puking, and, and then you have the baby, and it's so beautiful, you know, and then like five years later, you forget how miserable it was, and you're like, I could have another one. You know what I mean? Like, I could do that again. And then you get pregnant again. You're like, why did I do this? Why did you do this to me? You know? Maybe this is just my family. I don't know. Okay? That's kind of how I am with LaCroix. It's like I taste it. And I'm like, oh, why did I do this? It's awful. And then like a month later, I'll be like, yeah, I could do one. But I take like two sips of it. And I'm like, oh, this is nasty. You know? And I leave it on the counter unfinished. And my wife, she gets so mad. She'll see me. And she's like, why did you even open it? If you weren't going to finish it. How many know somebody in the room that loves to start things and not finish them? Come on. 
If it's your spouse, do not throw an elbow right now. I'm just saying. I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me today, church. We laugh and all this, but here's the reality. I feel like God, more than anything, sent me here this morning to give you this word. He is not just a starter. Our God is a finisher. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. The Bible said about Jesus, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Do not give up in the process. Do not let the enemy tear you down because you are unfinished. We serve a God who finishes what he begins. He is faithful to the finish. He was not just there in the beginning, he will be there at the end. He is the starter and he is the finisher in Jesus' name.